0: We bid you welcome, who come with weary spirit seeking rest, who come with troubles that are too much with you, who come hurt and afraid. We bid you welcome, who come with hope in your heart, who come with anticipation in your step, who come proud and joyous. We bid you welcome, who are seekers of a new faith, who come to probe and explore. Who come to learn we bid you welcome who enter this space as a homecoming who have found here room for your spirit, who find in this people a family whoever you are whatever you are wherever you are on your journey welcome come let us worship together good morning and welcome to church. I'm Angela Herrera, the senior minister here at First Unitarian. I'm joined today by our associate minister, Bob Lavallee, our music director, Susan Peck, our ministerial intern, Matt Pageter Villarreal, and for the very first time, lay leader, Geraldine Bowen, making her debut this morning as a lay leader. So let's all show her our support as she tries this out. Our Director of Religious Education, Mia Noren, created the Time for All Ages today, and as always, we count on our wonderful tech team, DJ Dan Small, Tech Arts Director Chris Paul, and ushers Christine, Alex, and Erica. Thanks for being here, everybody, and we are all so glad to be with all of you who've logged in today. I want to extend a special greeting to anybody who's here for the first or second time this morning. If that's you and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name and location in the chat so that we can give you a personal greeting. And as we begin, Gerilyn has an announcement to share.
1: Good morning. Just one announcement today. The People of Color group has moved their breakout meeting time to 10am. The zoom meeting ID will be posted during the credits at the end of the service. All people who identify as a person of color are welcome. Let's light our chalices, both here and at home. As we cross the threshold of summer glory into the golden harvest season, light and dark hang in delicate balance. We light this chalice in testament to the great burning orb that brings forth from the dark earth the fruits that nourish us. We light this chalice in testament to the quiet inner light that guides us as we blaze a path through the gathering dark that lies ahead. Come, let us worship together.
2: Will you please join me in singing our opening hymn, one of our congregation's favorite, favorite songs by Peter Mayer, Blue Boat Home. The usher will place the lyrics in the chat. Thank you.
3: The universe is the ocean. I try.
0: And I'm a will you join us in the children's affirmation we are Unitarian, Unitarian Universalists. Universalists we are people of faith
4: with open minds
0: loving hearts and helping hands thank you
5: hmm. let's move into a meditation space you know it's a common misconception conception that meditation is about controlling the mind that couldn't be further from the truth. Meditation is about letting go, intentionally setting the mind free. So when we first sit down to meditate, we may assume that there's something to do. Of course we do, because we live in capitalism and doing is the measure of our worth. So it takes a while to learn that meditation isn't doing. It's a pro- it's not a process of controlling the mind or trying to stop our thoughts. Instead, what? we're getting comfortable with our minds as they actually are. Allowing thoughts to come and go, allowing feelings to come and go. Simply realizing when we get distracted and coming back Again, to watch our breath. In that spirit, find a comfortable position. Take a deep breath, let it out. And we'll sit together in quiet for two minutes.
1: In her book, Pilgrim's Inn, Elizabeth Galge writes, you felt that your life was not an isolated thing, but existed in all other lives as all other lives existed within yours. We come together as a congregation to become what Elizabeth sees we inherently are, a spiritual family, our kinship and soul can offer each of us a circle of trust and care in which to share our blessings and our sorrows, our ups and our downs, our joys and our afflictions. If something has brought joy to you in recent times, please tell us about that in the chat box. If the spirit so moves, please then share what has most troubled you since last we gathered around the chalice. If for any reason, You can't write in the chat box today. We still want to hear from you. We encourage you to contact us at caring at uuabq.org.
5: pray. Today we pray for families. We lift up families who have endured so much the past 18 months. We pray for parents who had to make hard decisions about in-person or remote learning for their children. They know that they are doing their best. We lift up single parents in constant motion to meet the expectations of their work and their children. May they find moments of stillness and rest. We lift up children who had to struggle to learn over Zoom and now may be returning to school. May the changes they've been through, the changes they've seen, give them wisdom and may they be free from anxiety. Pray for families. May they know the support of this congregation and this community. May they know joy and love. We pray for healing for ourselves and our communities. May we listen, may we support, may we forgive. May we be willing to change in order to create healing. Let us see the holy and beautiful in our neighborhoods. Let us see the holy and beautiful in each other. Let us see the holy and beautiful in ourselves. And may we all be held in the heart of love. Peace be with you.
2: Our interlude today is another song by Peter Mayer. There's a tradition in Japan of repairing broken pottery with a mixture of gold and, and a lacquer, a shellac and glue. It's called Kintsukorai. And Peter Mayer wrote a piece about it called Japanese Bowl.
3: Am I broke anyone's eyes can see I'm not what I used to be, but in a collector's mind, all of these.
1: Our reading this morning is The Guest House by the 13th century Persian poet Rumi, translated by Coleman Barks. This being human is a guest house, every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all even if there are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond.
0: Reverend Bob and I had an interesting conversation the other day. It started when he asked me, do people change? What do you think? Do people change? That's a question churches should be particularly interested in because while some people come to church uh, to hear an interesting sermon or to just meet others, a lot of people come to church seeking some kind of transformation in their lives. Transformation and maybe even a kind of salvation, even in the UU church. We don't believe anybody needs saving from the fires of hell or anything like that around here. Again, you were born okay the first time. But we humans are awfully good at creating hells right here on earth, many of them personal hells with our ways of being in the world. And so the question, do people change has high spiritual stakes. We certainly invest a lot of time trying to change through therapy, self-help books, yoga, religion, etc. But you know some things are not so changeable we humans have a lot of hard wiring by the time we are adults and even before then personality types sexual orientation and gender identity our histories it's too late to have a better past right. I'll tell you where people have made transformational changes that i've seen, though it's in our relationships with each other and with ourselves in our understanding and how we love each other and ourselves. That's where a lot of growth and transformation happens. That's the area where we can practice some of our core spiritual values, where we can practice our faith in such a way that it really changes everything. It's a game changer. Which spiritual values? I'll tell you in a few minutes, but I'll bet you can come up with some of your own Which spiritual values, when practiced in relationship with yourself and others, would be a total game changer? The thing is, though, that nobody is perfect at, well, anything, right? Nobody's perfect. There's how you want to be, and then there's how stuff actually goes down. Yeah? So today, I want to talk about that ever-present possibility of imperfection and how it can actually make our lives better by spurring us to practice the spiritual values. The imperfection, the spiritual values, and the transformation, they all go hand in hand. One of the most annoying things in life is how often, in theory, something could have gone better. But in practice, it didn't. You react poorly to something your child says or does, and it's not how you want to be as a parent. You take on a big project and then spectacularly underperform. You set out to make amends and only make things worse. You go for glory and wind up embarrassed. Beforehand, you can totally picture everything going great. And later with hindsight, you can still also see theoretical perfection, if only Coulda, woulda, shoulda. It could have been perfect. But that's not what happened. It reminds me of the time I competed in the Vermont Sun Sprint Triathlon back in 2010. And if you've ever played Two Truths and a Lie with me, you know where this is going. It all started when my daughter, who was 14 at the time, wanted to get a sailing license. We lived in Massachusetts back then. And in order to get a sailing license, she had to take a swim test. On a lark, I decided to do it too. Why not? And then, to my surprise, I promptly and unambiguously failed it. I had no idea I couldn't swim. I took lessons as a kid and I hung out a lot at the pool. I was even allowed to dive off the diving board at the deep end, which means I passed a swimming test at some point. And most convincingly, I could still picture myself swimming. So I totally assumed I could. Well, I was really embarrassed when I failed that swim test. And so I decided to do something really impressive to basically just cancel that out of my life story. I decided I would compete in a triathlon. I was already a runner, so why not go big? That would inspire me to master the swimming. So I signed up for a triathlon and I signed up for swimming lessons and I became a regular in the Olympic length lap pool nearby. And pretty soon I was able to swim a whole mile without stopping. I just did those little flips at the edges of the pool and I kept going. The only problem was it took me a whole hour to cover that distance. One mile per hour is so slow, it is hard to picture. So picture 10 miles an hour, you guys. Now picture it 90% slower. It was really, really slow. So next, and now you're gonna realize that I am way more competitive than you imagined or than seems reasonable given what I've just told you. The next thing I did was I found a well-known swim coach. This was somebody who specialized in improving form and speed. And I traveled to their training center in another state and I did a whole thing where they make a video of you swimming underwater and then they coach you through some corrections and then they refilm and repeat. And I made that trip twice seeking to improve my speed. And when I got back to the Olympic pool back home, I still swam one mile per hour, (laughs) no change at all. So at this point I'm finally like, okay, I'm a slow swimmer. I accept that. I will focus on gratitude for what I can do. On the Day of the race, I put on my wetsuit, the gun went off, I dove into the lake with a hundred other people, and I immediately began hyperventilating. I couldn't put my face in the water at all. I dog paddled. A quarter of a mile into the swim, I still couldn't put my face in the water, I was still dog paddling, and the rescue boats were circling me stay back i told them i dog paddled that whole thing it did take forever and when i got out i was so mad i cried and cursed my way into the next leg of the race i finished that day at the back of the pack just ahead of the people whose tires had blown out on a 13 mile bike ride truth i once dog paddled the entire swim portion of a triathlon truth I've also come in dead last in a running race before. Why? I was as accepting of myself as I would have been of someone else who struggled or came in last. Why are we so hard on ourselves when we don't perform to our own standards or when we fear others might see us falling short? On the way home to Massachusetts from that race in Vermont, I had so much negative self-talk to deal with in my head. It kept me from feeling present or connected with the friend who had come with me and also competed in the race and finished a lot faster. The psychology researcher, Brene Brown says that our imperfections are a gift because if we don't shut down, if we open ourselves to what they have to teach us, then they'll lead us into more courage, compassion and connection. These are the spiritual values I was referring to earlier. Courage, compassion, and connection. Brown gives an example in which she totally bombed a talk she gave at a school. Something felt off about the whole setup and she knew she should check in about it, but she didn't. And then as soon as she started addressing the group of 250 parents, she sensed that they were a hostile audience. When one man began sighing loudly, so loudly that even the other hostile audience members seemed embarrassed by it, Brown knew that there are two good options in such a case, either you ignore it or you take a break so that you can privately confront the person about their distracting behavior. Instead, she says she took a third option, the worst thing possible, and she tried to impress him by talking louder, faster and with more authority things did not improve. They did not improve. On her way home, she found herself headed right into a shame spiral. You know, shame spirals, when you do something imperfect, and then you feel bad about it. And then you slip into feeling bad, not just about that thing, but about yourself. And you want to quit your job, dump all your friends and hide under a blanket eating Funyuns and gummy bears for the next two days, or something like that. Brown has studied shame for years as a researcher, so she's pretty tuned into it. And she says she can tell the start of a shame spiral by its physical symptoms. The dry mouth, time slowing down, tunnel vision, hot face, racing heart. You don't have to be a researcher for that to resonate. We've all been there. Here's where being open to the moment instead of heading for the Funyuns, can make all the difference. Brown gathered up her courage and she called up a trusted friend, somebody who she knew was a good listener who cared about her and would not judge her. She told the friend what had happened and how embarrassed, disappointed in herself and shamey she was feeling. The friend responded with empathy. Ooh, that feeling, I know that dance. That feels so terrible. And because Brown had let somebody really see her in that moment, that imperfect moment, the person's compassion made her feel truly cared for, and it strengthened their connection. It also diminished Brown's own bad feelings because shame can't handle us being seen and loved like that. It flies right out the door. Our own imperfection and the way we handle it in others too is an opportunity to practice those deeply held spiritual values, those deeply spiritual values of courage, compassion, and connection. And by practicing them to embody them in our lives, to live our faith. It's pretty simple, but imagine how powerful it is to bring that same process to the challenging areas we are all living into. Imagine if the next time you do or say something that is inadvertently racist, sexist, ableist, transphobic, or otherwise not inclusive, as we are bound to do in our beloved diverse community. Imagine if instead of trying to distance yourself from it or brush it off or freak out because you can't do anything right, which is a shame spiral, Imagine if you shared honestly with a trusted person, received some support and grew in your resilience and ability to stay connected. I think Bob is going to talk about that particular context for courage, compassion and connection next week. Why is it so often hard to do though or or hard to even think of in the moment It's because of sneaky, sneaky perfectionism. You don't have to be a perfectionist for perfectionism to sneak up on you. It sneaks up whenever we are more concerned about what other people think of us than we are about courage, compassion, and connection. It sneaks up when we're trying to avoid the experiences of shame and judgment and blame. But because perfectionism leads us into self-criticism and shame spirals, it actually increases those things. Brown calls perfectionism a 20 ton shield that we lug around thinking it'll protect us, but in reality, prevents us from taking flight. The writer and preacher Frederick Beekner says that, if we come to church right, we come to it more fully and nakedly ourselves, come with more of our humanness showing than we are apt to show in most places. We come like Moses. He's remembering the part of the Hebrew Bible when Moses is going up to the mountain and he sees a burning bush. Take off your shoes, God tells him. You are standing on holy ground. Eichner says that like Moses, we are like Moses because we come to holy places, quote, with muck on our shoes, foot sore and travel stained with the dust of our lives upon us our failures our deceits our hypocrisies because if unlike Moses we have never taken anybody's life we have again and again withheld from other people including often even those who are nearest to us the love that might have made their lives meaningful not to mention our own Maybe you came to church today with a little muck. Whatever it is, some moral failing, broken promises to yourself, a painful relationship, a dream you've never allowed yourself to try because you are afraid you won't be perfect enough. Whatever it is, you don't have to do penance through some shame spiral and you don't have to sign up for the spiritual equivalent of a triathlon to redeem yourself. Come as yourself fully as yourself let courage compassion and connection do the rest and let your life be transformed by that love
1: As Unitarian Universalists, our sacred principles call us to forge a better way of being human, both personally and collectively. Generosity of spirit lies at the heart of that mission. When we open to its call, we are in turn richly rewarded by feeling communion with all beings. At that moment, our individual lives merge into an underlying oneness that makes the world whole. When we pool our resources through financial contributions to our church, we become active instruments of the common good we are called to serve. Your donations today will go to Read to Me, a project that provides books to children in need, including bilingual books for children of the Navajo Diné Nation and books for the Little Free Libraries in Albuquerque's International District. You can give online by clicking on the link that we'll put into the chat box. If you prefer not to give online, you can make a check to the church with change for the future on the memo line. What you give will make a difference in many young lives. The offering will now be taken.
2: The offertory music this morning is a piece by jazz composer, Dave Brubeck. It's called Nostalgia de Mexico.
6: What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque and thank you on behalf of our Change for the Future recipient, read to me. As we are coming to the end of our service, if you would like to stay and join us for our virtual coffee hour, and we would love it if you would, please stay on Zoom after the postlude and you will be placed into a breakout room where you can chat with your fellow sibling congregants. To get the conversation started, Here is a discussion question for you to consider. What would it take for you to embrace what you consider to be your greatest imperfection? What would it take to embrace what you consider to be your greatest imperfection? And Before we extinguish our chalice, I'd like to go ahead and invite you to participate in a tradition that is familiar to those who have attended our Wednesday night Vesper services in which we're going to try to introduce into Sunday services as well. It's called our Pachem greeting. Go ahead and navigate to gallery view if you can. Go ahead and see everyone's wonderful smiling faces and turn your camera on. Go ahead and put one hand over your heart and extend the other hand out toward the gallery, toward everyone making eye contact as that is comfortable.
0: Dan, can you go ahead and move the spotlight to me? There we go. As you go forward in your day, if you'd like a discussion question to take with you, maybe think if there's been a time in your life when you did something imperfectly and it brought you closer to others or you grew in some important way. Has there been a time when your own imperfection helped you grow closer to others or grow in some important way? And now we will extinguish our chalices and candles with these words of benediction. Friends, may your week be filled with courage, compassion, and connection. And may love bless you and keep you until we're gathered again. Blessed be.